Good morning, Nachum. Good Ev Shabbos, everybody. Wow. Tomorrow, we have the privilege of taking out from the Orna Kodesh two Sifrei Torah. The first one, we're going to read Amir Sashem, Parshas Vayikra. We start the third book of the Torah, Torah's Kohanim. Parshas Vayikra, according to the Chinuch, contains 11 positive mitzvos and five restrictions. We are introduced to the korbanos, the korban ola, the korban mincha, the korban shlamim, the korban chatos in tomorrow's parsha. And from the second uh, Sefer Torah, we have the privilege of reading Parsha's Zohar. Parsha's Zohar has the distinction of being a biblical reading. What does that mean? It means the fact that we read the Torah every Shabbos, that is a rabbinic mitzvah, that we read the last three psukim tomorrow from Parshas Kiseitse, beginning with the words, Sachor Eisasher Asolacha Amolek, that you have an obligation to remember that which Amolek did to you when you left Egypt, who chanced upon you when you left Egypt and he attacked from behind, the Torah says, and it shall be when you have rest from all your enemies in the land which Hashem has given you, you shall blot out the memory of Amalek from under the heavens, lo tishkach. You are not to forget. Now, interestingly, the paragraph begins with the word Zohor, to remember, and it ends with the words, Lo Tishkach, don't forget. Now, one of those two seems extraneous. So the Gemara in Megillah tells us, no, that the first one of Zohor is Bepeh, that you are to articulate, not enough to think about it, while the second one at the end, Lo Tishkach, that is Balev. You are to harbor hatred in your heart for a Amalek and whoever resembles a Amalek. Who is a Amalek today? There is no nation that has a name called a Amalek today. However, Rav Salvechik said in the name of his family tradition that any people that have as their raison d'etre, their very purpose of being is to, God forbid, cause harm and eliminate Kla Yisrael, as indeed Iran, as indeed Hamas have as their basic uh, form of uniting them, they are modern-day Amalek. But as we will talk, please God, we're going to see that there is an additional level of understanding Amalek, as we'll see, please God, from Rashi in a few moments. And so, it is most preferable to hear Parsha Zohar this Shabbos in a minion. And therefore the Shulchan Aruch writes that if it's somebody 
who lives in a small town and there is not necessarily a minion every Shabbos. We don't say there might not be a minion for the Shabbos, therefore go to a community where there definitely will be. But we do say that regarding Pasha Zohar, that ideally one should hear it in a minion. Who's the one? According to the Chinuch, <coughs> it is only the men that are obligated in hearing Pasha's Zohar, because he connects the obligation of hearing Pasha's Zohar with that which the Torah says, you are to timcha, obliterate, wipe out Amalek. And since it's the men who go to war and fight, therefore it is incumbent upon them to remember, and not the women. The Minchas Chinuch respectfully argues and says, wait a minute, is not Mechias Amalek a, um, a mitzvah, which is that this war is a Mechemes mitzvah, and a Mechemes mitzvah, women as well are to participate therein. And so there are different opinions, and throughout the years, different communities had either women yes or not necessarily coming to shul on this day. Minog, I believe, in America is, and in most places in Eretz Yisrael, is that women, if they could, should come to hear Pasha's Zohar. And not only that, many, many Bate Knesios have a practice of laning a special reading of Pasha Zohar for women, either after the davening, men go home, women can come back, taking care of the children, or even later on, some have that practice. But it is to be read primarily with a minion. If one cannot, and they are alone at home, take out a chumash, read it ideally with the trup, but if not, read it from the chumash. Okay, that is this Shabbos Parshas Zohar. Now, let's talk a little bit about the Yom Tov of Purim Haba Olenu Litova. Okay, Purim starts Hashem, this coming Wednesday night. Before that, Wednesday, Tanis Esther. And Tanis Esther is a day that all healthy men and women should fast. However, and why are we fasting? Interestingly, one of the best kept secrets about Purim is the Rambam writes in his introduction to his count of the mitzvos of the Torah that the seven mitzvos, which are rabbinic, have their source in the Torah. And therefore, what is the source for Purim? He quotes the Pasuk in Vo'eschanan saying, Umi, who is the, <coughs> the nation like Israel? Ashelo Elohim, Kruvim love that God has this close personal relationship with the Jewish people. Kashem Elokeinu, like our God, Bechol Koreinu love 
This is Purim, that whenever we call to God, He responds. Purim is chapter 4 of the Megillah, when Esther says, Lech kenosis kol go and gather all the Jews, and sumu alai, fast for me. Now, our fast is not to commemorate those three days that they fasted for Esther prior to her going to Achashverosh on the night of the Pesach Seder. Our fast, however, is when we fought against the um, enemy, those who were part of Haman's attempt to kill us, and we killed them on Tanis Esther on the 13th day of um, Adar, so our rabbis tell us that they fasted on the day that they went to war. Why? Unlike you would have imagined, on a day you go to war, eat Wheaties because it's the breakfast of champions. No, they fasted showing that it's their tshuva and their imuna in Hashem what's enabling them to win the war. Women who are nursing, women who are pregnant, and those who find the fast especially challenging, don't fast. It's a interesting, says the Raivad, this is a ta'anis shel simcha. It's a fast of happiness, a kind of oxymoron. Okay, here we go. Let's go to Mitzvah The minhag is that mincha time. After mincha on Tanis Esther, we give zecher lemachzis hashekel. Others do it on the night of or on the day of, which is a remembrance to the mitzvah of machzis hashekel that we read about on the Shabbos before uh, Rosh Chodesh Adar, and that is to give and in, <coughs> the practice is we take three half dollars, pick them up, put it down, and then give charity to the Besakneses uh, and to others. Okay, now, starting with Purim, Wednesday night, there's a mitzvah to hear the Megillah, and the Gemara in Megillah teaches us there's a mitzvah to hear it at nighttime and once again by daytime. Interestingly, go to both. But if a person had to choose, the day is more important than the night. In many communities, you wouldn't know that. It might be easier for everybody to come out at night and with all the children. But I'm telling you, the No Debihuda writes at nighttime, it's rabbinic. And the daytime, it's medivre sofrim, meaning it's one notch above. It's in between rabbinic and in between biblical. It's medivre kabbalah from the uh, prophets. Okay, now, um, once again, the Megillah most preferably should be read with a minion and even with more, berov am hadras melech. If one cannot come to shul, then please call your local rav and he will try to arrange 
that you'll have somebody coming to your home to read the Megillah for you. It's important that you hear each and every word of the Megillah. Women are obligated in the mitzvah of Mikra Megillah because, as the Gemara says, because they too were included in the miracle. Now what does that mean? Either they were included in Haman's decree to, God forbid, destroy the Jewish community, women as well, or no, the other side is that women, namely Esther, helped bring about the Yeshua and the great miracle which happened through um, Esther. And therefore, one of the two reasons is why women are obligated for and to hear, you know, the Megillah. One is to hear every word of the Megillah. If you have a Megillah, a handwritten Megillah in front of you, and you think you might have missed a word, by all means read it from the Megillah. You can even do the same from a printed text, a Chumash, etc., that the, in the back you'll find, therefore, that follow, and if you think you missed a word, you can just read it, but do so as the Balkore is doing. In other words, read it there, not say, when I get home, I think I missed the second verse in chapter 4. No, it has to be read, you know, in order, etc. This is the mitzvah of Mikram Megillah, Wednesday night, and on, please God, Thursday during the day. Okay, now, the, the day of Purim contains four mitzvos. The reading of the Megillah, which we've done night and day. And interestingly, before we read the Megillah, three brachos are recited. Al-Mikra Megillah, the mitzvah, the obligation to read the Megillah. And Sha'asonisim, that he performs miracles for us. Keep in mind, this is the exact same bracha that we recite when we light the Ner Hanukkah. Whoa, Ner Hanukkah. Everybody agrees that's a miracle. What could have, should have burned for one day, the oil burned for eight days. Where is the miracle of Purim? Now that's exactly the point. The very name <coughs> Esther means hidden, as found in Parshas Vayelech, towards the very end of the Torah. Hashem says, Onochi haster astir ponai. I will hide my face at that time. So Esther talks about hastoras ponim, and that's the time of Purim. There were no Nevim at the time of uh, Purim. It's the beginning of the time without the word of God coming to us directly. It's coming right before the building of the second base of Migdosh, and there were Nevi'im there to oversee the building of the second base of Migdosh. But we believe, and that's why Purim is always, as this year, in Adar Sheni. Why didn't we have it in the first Adar? We don't like to pass over mitzvos, but the answer is we want Purim next to the holiday of Passover because just as everybody agrees, wow, Pesach is a miracle, so too the Yom Tov of Purim is a miracle.
And we have the third bracha before the reading of the Megillah, Shechianu. We thank Hashem for giving us the privilege of living to and observe this coming mitzvah of Mikra Megillah. Okay, the other mitzvahs of the day of Purim are what goes with the <coughs> reading the Megillah is Matonos Levionim, namely, every man and woman is obligated to give money or food to at least two poor persons. Why? Because, as the Rambam writes, there is no greater joy. How do we celebrate and show we're happy? By helping and making others, and especially the poor, needy, giving them happiness. By making others happy, that is how you know we are. And therefore, you should know the Rambam writes, Shulchanor quotes this, Mishnah Brura Mutov, it's better. Laharabos bimatonos levionim, it's best to spend more on giving gifts to the poor than your Sauda and your Mishloach Monos, which we'll talk about in a moment. Keep that in mind, very important. You have to give to at least two individuals, okay? Now, evionim in the plural. Now, how much should you give? There really is no minimum, but I'm going to suggest that at least the two needy individuals, the minimal amount that he'd have to pay for a su'uda, for his su'uda. So, if he were to buy a sandwich, let's be nice and give him a Coke and at least a bag of potato chips. So, what kind of, we're talking about at least $12. Try to give at least two of that. Now, if you know poor people, the best thing is to give it to them directly. If you don't have that opportunity, or they're not going to come knocking on your door, etc., then give it in the Besaknesis, give it to your local Rav, and he will have the opportunity to dispense and to give these monies on your behalf on Purim. Okay, you have the third mitzvah of Su'udas Purim that we celebrate. And one of my rabbeim said to me so beautifully years ago that on Hanukkah we won the war and we lost, unfortunately, great men in the process. Therefore, you can't fast on Hanukkah, but there is no obligation to have a Su'uda. Purim, we defeated... 75,000 of our enemy, as we're taught in chapter 9, and we did not lose a man. Whoa, that's worth celebrating. As well as the Gemara tells us that one of the reasons why we were threatened with extermination is because we might have been coerced to go to the Achashverosh's party, which we're told about in chapter 1 of Megillas Esther, but we didn't have to enjoy it. Nanu, we enjoyed the Su'uda of Achashverosh, and that was an absolute no-no. And so what do we do? We show that we celebrate properly as opposed to celebrating 
improperly at the beginning of the uh, Su'uda. Also at the Su'uda, there is <coughs> the law that should be understood properly. And that is, since so much of the miracle happened through the Mishtehayayin, through the party that Esther brings, or, you know, Haman and Achashverosh to, or look at it this way, the king getting drunk at the beginning, asking for Vashti, and the rest is history as far as that goes, we start with the Mishnah Hayayin, and when Mordechai says to Esther, go and plead for your people, she forgets her line, and when she's there, instead of saying, save the Jews, she says, uh, 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 could you please come tomorrow with Haman, and the next day, could you, at that party, uh, 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 she forgets her line, save the Jews, and could you please come the next day, and that night, is when all the action happens. Balailahu that night, Nodedosh Nasamelech, literally, King Achashverosh couldn't sleep. The rabbis tell us, Melech Malcheyam Lochim, HaKadosh Baruch Hu, puts everything into full swing and action. So, since so much happened around the wine, we have wine at our Su'uda as well. And the point is, my friends, Purim should not, God forbid, be <coughs> misunderstood in the sense that it's a day of drinking. No, it's a day of happiness, and we show our happiness by a l'chaim. And I think the l'chaim should be with wine, and it should be. But it has to be only in a way that the person is still going to say Baruch Mordechai, blessed is Mordechai, and Oror is Haman, cursed is Haman. If God forbid something is going to come out of his mouth which is contrary to Baruch Mordechai and cursed is Haman, don't drink. Obviously, if you're going to drive chas v'sholom, you're not going to drink in any which way which is going to impair. But we're talking now that the purpose of that little bit of additional drinking at your suda, that's going to enhance and bring out more of singing, more of proper zmiros, more of divrei Torah. Ah, and by the way, let me get it in. What's the suda for? The idea is the Gemara tells us in Shabbos that we received the Torah at Sinai, but Kahar Kegigis, God picked up the mountain as a barrel and said, take my Torah or this is where you're going to die. They had no choice. We took the Torah. So you could ask, wait a second, we were coerced? The Talmud answers that Purim is a time that we accepted the Torah willingly. Kimu v'kiblu. We celebrate the re-acceptance of Torah. When we celebrate Torah, you can't, God forbid, drink in a disrespectful way. If you only put things in the right perspective, then you really come to enjoy the Yom Tov of Purim. And finally, Mishloach Monos, 
sending of gifts. Alpidin, all you need is one. Mishloach monos ishlareyehu, one. And two edible foods. If you have to send to one, send to one, not to your best friend. They'll always be your best friend. Send to one who doesn't know that much about Purim. And this way you will have a greater rapport. Bring him in to the Jewish circle. That's the idea of, quote, Mishloach Manos, Ishtarieu, showing that we do care one about another. And finally, let me just conclude with the idea that a Amalek represents not only the physical people of Amalek that we spoke about before, but you have homework tomorrow night, bring to the table Chumash and Rashi on the Pesach Asher Korcha. And Rashi tells us that the word Korcha, this is chapter 25, verse 18. Asher Korcha Rashi gives three interpretations. One is Mikra, that Amalek stands for chance. What does that mean? It means that everything in this world, we believe, Hashkocha Pratis, comes from God. And Amalek says, everything is by chance. Secondly, the idea of Keri, Tuma, impurity. He unfortunately subjected us, meaning opened up and tried to influence us in a negative way of impurity, immorality. And finally, Korcha from the term Kar, he cooled us off. All the nations of the world were afraid of us because they saw the Jewish people as God's people, all the miracles he had done for us. And Amalek showed, come on, you could attack them. Even though he got burnt, and he lost, still he paved the way for others. So Amalek stands not only for the physical Amalek, but each and every year we remind ourselves on Purim, Timcha Ezecher Amalek stands strong against the negative influences about us. I take this opportunity of wishing Nachum and his family and all our listeners, supporters of JM in the AM Nachum Siegel app, a meaningful Shabbos, Pasha Zohar, and a very Freilicha Purim. We should understand what a privilege it is for us to observe Purim. Let's keep in mind our Chenu, B'nai Yisrael, especially in the Ukraine, our Tfilos. Purim is a time of tefillah. Our tefillos should be for them that very, very soon they too will be able to celebrate as we this very special Yom Tov. Shabbat Shalom and a Freilich Purim to all.